hey jordan uh what, what are you working on over there oh hey we got a um we got a contract uh to do uh, a political ad so i'm just writing very writing nice. some copy for it yeah um cool is this like a like what is this about talking about you know the economy uh, you know all the all the millions and millions of americans that are out of work the foreclosure crisis coming up the eviction crisis what's the angle here i didn't i didn't hear about this i'm this is this is really interesting oh yeah so i, I just kind of pitched it myself but um yeah we got it and i i just figured like we should position ourselves uh as, as a group that can speak to like you know just some of the more pressing issues i don't want to get in like too ensnared in the kind of the day-to-day like the daily zeitgeist outrage cycle type stuff yeah. so i figured we would like stick with something substantive um and i pitched them on you know just an issue that i think will like swing voters in november very nice mm-hmm. who are you um who are you working with on this this is exciting stuff i'm gonna get, I'm oh. gonna get my notepads we can start taking start brainstorming a little bit about this yeah so uh have you heard of the lincoln project uh have i heard of the lincoln project uh yeah i think so probably the okay. number one number one supporter over here you know that right i yeah. have that yeah I'm ordered, i just ordered some merch from them actually i'm just waiting for it to come in i'm going to check with uh reception soon it should be here oh it's very shortly oh god that's so cool you're working with them that's really exciting mm-hmm. that's like a yeah i'm feeling kind of starstruck about that it's really cool yeah i mean i mean we are technically i just figured like they really have their finger on the pulse um of yes. you know americans sentiment just voter sentiment um and they you know they're the stuff they're putting out i'm just like constantly like floored by just like whoa yeah you Amazing. said trump isn't man enough to, to bomb people that that's that's what gets people fired yep. up. I'm fired up. Or when it's they use like Ronald Reagan to like own Trump, to like how you're nowhere near as 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 wonderful and great as Reagan. I thought that was really tremendous as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that really will help lo- get liberal voters out. Uh, that that yep. was a good idea. The Zoomers love Reagan. Not a lot of people know I, this, but I, I've, according to my yeah. research, I've been doing. Just scroll TikTok. Huge, you'll see hugely it. popular. Yeah, yeah, all those all those Reagan memes uh, on there. Yep. <laughs> Yep. So, you know, so what's the angle in that vein, in that vein, I thought we could, we could do something like this. Mr. President, we, the people demand that you eat resistance beans. And it really Mm. speaks to the Goya bean, uh, the controversy that everyone was talking about this week, plaguing our country. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? That's really I mean, great we can stuff. work on the we can work on the lead, but like, I think that this is that yeah. we need to make this the the, the issue of the election, we, the, the Goya bean controversy, bean gate, if you will. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great approach because you know you start getting into he's talking about like the pandemic, the economy. It's you know boring. People just tune mm-hmm. out. They don't want to hear about that stuff. What they do want to hear about is this really hot issue that everyone's talking about. Uh, bean discourse, baby, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Resistance beans. Did you come up with that yourself? That's really, that's yeah, clever. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Rick. Rick um, helped a maybe you can bit, do some kind yeah. of like some kind of cross promotion, like um, for every can of resistance beans sold, um, part of the proceeds go to uh, funding new sensitivity training courses for police departments. Right? Oh my God, that's such a good idea. Because then it's not, you know, it's not like a tax thing. Then it's like you're you're eating delicious beans. You're owning the orange man, the the uh-huh. Cheeto in chief. Yep. And you're getting you're getting a little kickback, 
uh, to ensure that the uh, the the police departments across America are are going to be properly trained. Finally, after all these years of training and different <laughs> initiatives, will be finally trained to uh, uh, you know things like de-escalation and things like that. So it's kind of a cross promotion. I think that's mm-hmm. that's something, right? See, I knew you would be helpful in this. That's what I'm, I'm so excited. You're, you're that's what I'm here it. for. Yeah, yeah. I think that this is just something. This is a group that we want to work with. We want to partner with. Um, yeah, it's just this is this is these guys. I think when they help us win the election, we need to get them into the cabinet. Oh, yeah, of course, absolutely. And okay, so I'm looking at this. I'm 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 brainstorming here, and I'm thinking of you know you got you got you see the 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 Cheeto in chief. He comes on the screen and it says Donald Trump, been there, done that. Oh, oh. Resist- that's resistance right. Resistance beans, baby. Yep. We brought to you by the Lincoln Project. I mean, that's just writes itself, really. God damn, you're good. Okay, everyone. Hello, hello, and welcome. Uh, it's the Insurgents. It's episode thirty. We're all the way, we're we're getting up there in the episodes. And I actually had the episode number in front of me today, so I knew what episode it was. Uh, it's Rob Rousseau here. Jordan, how are you doing, sir? How's it going? I'm all right. I suppose. That good, huh? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all doing very well. We're all doing very well. But, um, yeah. okay, so we've got a really great episode this week. Kofi Yaboa from Fumble Dimension yes. is our guest this week. Yeah, we had a really awesome conversation with Kofi um, about uh, the NBA reopening. I was happy to have a little uh, uh, sojourn into NBA talk, which I have not gotten to uh, partake in recently obviously because there is no nba but i I did want to talk about this like incredibly uh weird and dystopian uh nba season that's apparently on the verge of starting i'll believe it actually happens when it does happen but um i'm kind of dreading it and it was great to talk to kofi about that uh also got into your little shenanigans that you got into the this weekend (laughs) over on twitch uh, with the u.s army you made them you get you got them the, the the army shit list on Twitch, uh, yeah, I got banned from the U.S. Army Twitch chat this week for asking what their favorite war crime was um, while they were playing a game where you can commit war crimes, uh, <laughs> and you know some 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 chatter later on about how the military and the different branches of the military are using esports and Twitch and video games to recruit uh, children. So stay tuned for that. It does get kind of grim, cool. <laughs> but yes, because war and and war crimes obviously are grim, and just the kind of the predatory the predatory practices used by military recruiters are just really insidious. But uh, we talk about that a little bit and and more this week, as you'll as you'll hear. Yes. So um, before we get to Kofi, we talked about something that I wanted to get into, and I've, it's already slipped my mind. What, is, what, what else is going on we want to talk about before we, we get to the interview? Uh, you wanted to talk about the Bernie and Biden commission. Yes, the Bernie and, <laughs> the Bernie and Biden <laughs> unity commission, which uh, I guess put out their, their findings this week or their whatever the, the plan they came up with. And there's a... Uh, not a lot of good stuff in there. 
<laughs> and, um, <laughs> who could have predicted? Whomever could have predicted that uh, uh, Joe Biden wouldn't just immediately um, uh, enact all of Bernie Sanders' campaign promises um, after Bernie dropped out of the campaign. I certainly thought that that wasn't going to happen, so I was surprised this week when when Joe Biden uh, and his campaign basically just did not really uh, did not really move in that direction whatsoever. I was expect you know I thought maybe there was a possibility that some kind of bone was going to be thrown to the progressive base of the Democratic Party, the Bernie wing. People are very very uh, enthusiastic about changing the direction of the party um, and challenging the kind of status quo, but no, not so much. Not <laughs> did not really happen. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the the goal here was to unify the two different camps, and I understand from an electoral perspective, and you know, overall the effort, the objective here collectively is to oust Trump, which something I think everyone supports, right? What their their method and their way of getting there is to through this position Biden as quote the most progressive. Um, presidential candidate ever. I don't necessarily think I agree with that. Uh, I think some people do, but that's how they're framing this now to placate progressives. I do think the, the, the concern in doing that is it puts people into a position of complacency if Biden wins. Because then you think, oh, well, we've got this progressive platform if you're kind of the layperson, the, 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 the average uh, political participant, not someone who might be like following the day to day every day, you know, not like an insurgents listener. This is just kind of like your friends and family who yes. aren't, <laughs> aren't uh, paying attention as closely. The danger there is they fall into a sense of complacency and don't participate if Biden wins when we need them the most, because that's when we need to fight to push Biden left. I don't know if that's going to work. And I think there's a lot of commentary and a lot of discussions on the left about whether it's even worthwhile. I think, you know what, you got to at least try. We You lose a lot in the progressive side. And it's just it's just a grim reality, but you have to fucking try because that's just how change gets made. Sometimes you crack through. Sometimes you make, you make gains. But the danger is framing it that way lets people become complacent. If he wins and thinks everything's going to be okay. And it's not because problems existed before Trump and they're going to exist after Trump. And we need to push, if he wins, we need to push Biden to the left. And I just think the framing of this way could have long-term consequences that people aren't considering. Yeah, I would just go back to when they when they announced this unity commission and when Bernie dropped out and all that. I think what I, I said on this show, you know, what I said was like, it, it doesn't really matter what comes out of this unity commission. Just look at the actions of, of Biden and the Democratic Party establishment throughout the primary who just sought to undercut Bernie at, at all costs. Um and how, you know, everyone in the campaign and kind of who had even come close to like uh, endorsing some of his previous uh, positions had kind of moved away from that. I mean, it's not the actions of a party that it's really interested in, in pursuing any of these goals. Um, I think um, w- one thing that I was I was stunned by, though, I have to say, because like obviously you knew that, that you know, Biden was not going to endorse all these like, you know, what seemed like radical proposals, the Green New Deal or anything like that. To me, a, a, a just a layup for the Democratic Party is legalizing marijuana. It's just, it's so easy. It's so popular. That would immediately get many, many young people on board who were, who were maybe disaffected with the Democratic Party, who were not enthusiastic about Biden. Uh, when you bring it back to the current uprisings going on, 
uh, with the against police violence, mass incarceration. Biden obviously does not have a lot of credibility on that front since he's been his his name has been you know uh, behind a lot of the worst policies that have made that problem worse over the last several decades. Um, and you know for sure that he's not going to get involved in any kind of like defunding the police argument. It's not it's it's not who he is. It's not in his platform. He wants to give the police more money. But that would be something that's it's just a slam dunk. It's super easy and it would have a huge impact in terms of like uh, uh, depopulating prisons and keeping people, especially people of color, out of prison. Because this is like the primary reason for the drug war and illegal, making marijuana illegal in the first place is specifically to target uh, anti-war leftists and people of color. Uh, and that's been a huge driver of, of mass incarceration. There's, I'm sure there's a, a large percentage of people in prison in the United States right now or with criminal records for nonviolent weed offenses. This is just the easiest fucking thing in the world to just to just commit to get behind that. Uh, I would think that would just be a slam dunk. It would be very easy to do. It would get people very excited. And it just it speaks a lot to Biden's character and, and how behind the times the Democratic Party establishment is that they can't even do that. And like, I do kind of understand where you're coming from, where it's like, you, you know, you want to, you want to make sure the pressure's on and the people are going to continue to stay in the streets and to, to, you know, try and, and try and enact these like progressive changes through, through large scale social movements. Um, but that to me is just, it's beyond stupid that they can't even get behind this very, very simple thing, um, which would have such a positive impact for so many people. Um, and so yeah, it doesn't bode well, I think, for um, for uh, Biden's campaign. Uh, like we pointed out last week, he still is in a position where he looks like he's going to win this election for right now. Who knows what's going to happen? But I mean, I think just the fact that it's as close as it is, despite Trump's you know, tremendous unpopularity, the fact that he's mismanaging all these different crises, I think Biden should be probably 20 points ahead in a lot, in a lot of these national polls. Uh, and he's not. He's within the margin of error a lot of the time. Uh, legalizing marijuana would be an it's a no-brainer to me to get behind this. Mm. I think that's like a, a fucking layup election at that point, and it speaks a lot to uh, where their values are that they can't even do that. Yeah, I mean, on the polling thing too, and I think a lot of people need to understand this because I think we fell, again we fell into the sense of complacency in 2016 because of the polls. That's without voter suppression. It takes you or me or any other yeah. poll respondent 30 seconds to say how we feel. In some places, it could take you several hours or all day to vote because of how uh, restrictive voting is, uh, restricted voting is in America, and deliberately so because they want to suppress the vote, and especially in high population areas and cities and things like that. And that's not even mentioning the the complications because of coronavirus and the pandemic, the complications around voting by mail, and all the issues around that. Um, so yes, the polling. Okay, we see what several points here in some cases within the margin of error you can't just just hang it up because that does not include voter suppression you can't you can't capture that sentiment in these types of polls it's very easy to have someone just say yeah i, I like biden on the phone or on an online survey it's way different to get that person to wait in line maybe in the rain or something for several hours just to vote it's, yeah. it's very different so we cannot just just kind of hang our hats up yeah, and again, legalizing marijuana would be something that would get people actually excited to vote for Joe Biden. That's not just like getting rid of the the Cheeto in chief or whatever. Uh, you know, right. that's something that really could animate people and get them to come out. Not only to, to talk about that, but the obvious positive effects it would have on American society to 
to uh, to go in that direction. So I think it's it's uh, a shitty decision that they're not even like going to approach that or think about it. I also saw the the list of like um, possible foreign policy team uh, that would be in a, sort of a Biden administration, and it's all like Samantha Power and these Obama uh, uh, alumni. So it's looking like on that front, we knew this already, but it's just going to be a continuation of like the kind of soft imperialism of the Obama era. I mentioned last week, uh, Biden's getting to Trump's right on things like Venezuela and China. Um, so not really a lot to uh, be excited about, I think, for, for in terms of like Biden's actual campaign. And no one should be surprised by this. Uh, again, we, we I think anyone could have extrapolated that just from like seeing seeing the actions of 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 Biden and his team and the Democratic Party establishment throughout the last couple of months, but it's still uh, it's still disappointing to see, and uh, it's it's kind of just goes back to what I was saying last week, which is that I think you know rebuking Trump, getting rid of Trump, uh, rebuking the far right in America would be a positive thing, but then the problem that that arises then is that you have this kind of uh, entrenched power of this kind of newly resurgent. Uh, neoliberal side of the party and um that that's that's where it's hard to know where uh where anyone's supposed to go from there yep so if it's actually kind of weird to talk about <laughs> joe biden and the election and stuff again we haven't even like <laughs> it's taken such a backseat to all the, the craziness uh, going on in america over the last couple of months but uh yeah still not not super enthusiastic about uh about anything that's going on with that at the moment but you know you gotta gotta get rid of the the orange guy with the the small hands or whatever. <laughs> Should we do some reviews? I mean, I guess so. I <laughs> feel like everyone everyone knows my feelings on the reviews. I've tried to be as clear as possible about this. But it's mm-hmm. not stopped the, the people kind of going in there to our reviews and Apple Podcasts and kind of doing pranks and jokes stuff like that. I'm sick of it, but you know, I guess it's a segment now. So let's. Let's go to Feedback Corner. Okay, so, yeah, great. Feedback Corner, here we are again. We're going to read some more some more reviews on Apple Podcasts. And again, I mentioned um, we do appreciate generally... Uh, when people leave reviews of the show, positive reviews especially, it helps with the algorithm rankings and everything. I would personally like to see some more, you know, serious ones maybe, or that's not just like making it a big fucking joke, but you know, what? who cares what I want, right? I'm just just the host of the show, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's get to let's get to these reviews, I guess. Uh, you wanted to, you want to kick off with the, the first one? Um, Sure. Great Fortnite podcast, but a lot of politics. I love listening to this podcast, but it seems like they barely even talk about Fortnite anymore. It's almost all politics now, which is neat, I guess, but I think I can speak for all fans when I say that what we're really here for is the great gaming content. Even so, I say, (laughs) I can say that the content will never rob you of a good time and you'll probably still enjoy it. I like that one. Okay, that's um, pretty. That's pretty good, actually. I'm. It's <laughs> not that. Yeah, I was gonna mention during our ch- our chat with Kofi. It's it's very gaming focused, and I was kind of joking last week about how you're you're <laughs> ever so slightly inching us towards just being a full fledged gaming podcast. This week is, this is the most gaming heavy episode yet. 
So games are culture, little, man. Yeah, well, all games are politics. All <laughs> politics is games. Yeah, yeah. So if so, for fans of the the gaming segment of the show, this is like a, this is almost a full on uh, just gaming episode. <laughs> okay, so this is a, okay. I'm just, I was talking about the reviews and how I don't like them and how I'd like to get some more serious ones. It's nice to every now and then get a just completely serious review. Uh, so I'm gonna read this one here. This is this is great. I'd like to see more of these. Uh, so the title of the review is Les Insurgés. The Insurgents is a Montreal-based social democrat think tank slash consultancy firm, and this is their podcast. Excellent insights on U.S. politics from across the border. That's that. So thank you, you to that. They finally yeah, got it. Thank you to that reviewer. I again, I just appreciate <laughs> people taking this a bit more seriously, just accurately describing the podcast and what it's all about. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was great stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> Les insurgés. Um, okay, I, I got like one that. here. It's got a nice ring to it. Really, we can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can we can talk about that off pod if we want to do some kind of a change or whatever. It's fine, but you go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Okay. This one's called "She Took the Kids." Hello, I'm usually a big Uh-oh. fan of the show, but last night my wife joined me in my library to listen to your podcast. Things started out fine, but there was a notable shift. In the energy of the room after a quote special guest ken began speaking after five minutes my wife abruptly exited the room and returned telling me she was going to leave she said although we had a happy marriage she just couldn't take me listening to such a befuddled looney tune like ken please triple ban ken so i may have my life back she took the kids thanks (laughs) yeah that's heartbreaking it's really I mean, I, I do like to hear from listeners of the show and it's, it's having a kind of a positive impact, but that is, that is tough. And it's not surprising either. I mean, it's, it's we, we banned Ken for a reason. He knows what he did. Um, <laughs> I don't know how, what kind of miscommunication is going on that he keeps kind of coming back, but that is, I feel like that is something that we do need to work on because mm-hmm. that's just a really terrible story. And I, my, you know, my, my thoughts go out to this, uh, this reviewer here. Yeah. Very unfortunate. Um, okay. Okay, here's here's another one. And the title... Oh, for God's sake. The title is... Uh, Krasencast 2.0 Rocks. When the Krasencast stopped, I was devastated. It was hard to find inspiration for my daily life. But then, Ed and Brian made a secret comeback with The Insurgents. It's easily the best podcast on iTunes. Shout out to the smartest guy on the pod, Ken... Clip Einstein. Huh. It's kind of upsetting, that one. A little bit, yeah. We're not the Krasensteeds, just in Mm. case that's not clear. Not at all. We're not even brothers. No. No, we're not. We're brothers, like, in the kind of friend context, but... Yeah, but not not like the... Not in, like, the real... Yeah. Yeah. I would like to get get ripped and do like a bitcoin scam with you that would be oh yeah i think that's that'd be a good bonding like team building exercise here but (laughs) yeah no we're not the krasenstein brothers and um good we already talked about the the toxic and pernicious influence of ken so it's just it it was kind of added insult to injury to (laughs) include that last part um i'm just let's just get to the last one uh, Mm because i'm uh, i don't want to do this anymore so okay this one uh is called the bits are too long hey jared and Raj. Not our names. Uh, nope, nope, not at all. Uh, just want to start this out by saying I do really love the surgeons. 
podcast. Now, I think that is not what it's called. Surgeons. Yeah, I think they made a typo there. Uh, I yeah. don't know what surgeons have to do typo. with anything, but but whatever. Well, I mean, you got the name wrong. My only complaint is that you only talk seriously for about the first 10 minutes. And then for the rest of the podcast, you talk entirely sarcastically and crack inside jokes about something called Fortnite and some Krasenstein brother named Kenneth. The beginning of the show is my favorite, so you should lengthen it. Thanks so much for this truly capitalist content. Way to own the libs. Five out of five stars. Okay, well, uh, thanks for the five stars. I guess we could probably lengthen the intro. That's when we really kind of like wear our hearts on our sleeve, but... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it would actually be kind of fun to do just to do a whole, <laughs> a whole podcast like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if my improv skills are quite uh, quite up to snuff to, oh, to we'd take have to that plan to, it out. to a full length. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, what if we just did the that. inverse? We did the op- like, <laughs> the first five <laughs> minutes. We did like how we really feel on the rest of the show. We just did the 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 bit, the right wing bit. Yeah. Who would be the best like resistance person? We could invite Eric Garland on as as a guest. That'd be great. Oh my god. Yikes. Is he still out there? I don't know. Is he still doing yeah. stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I was like scrolling through Twitter a couple weeks ago um, and saw he was on some live stream talking about Epstein. <laughs> like the, the framing and the context made it seem like it was about Epstein. I was like, oh, what is this? I need to hear his takes. And I clicked through and of course he's talking about Russia, but it's just like, <laughs> yeah, he's still, he's still doing his thing. Wow. I think he has that private Twitter account thing set up. I can't remember what the what the service is called. Basically, you subscribe through some other site, and when you subscribe there, you get access to a locked Twitter account. And I think he charges like ten dollars a month for his locked Twitter account. Man, insane. That's grim. Yeah, <laughs> that's really grim. I feel sad. I honestly yeah. feel sad for a lot of um, boomers who get sucked into that kind of stuff because they're just like longing for they're really being just it's it's reflective of the democratic party at large and the lack of like leadership figures and and you know just leaders in general in the movement that they're fucking paying eric garland 120 dollars a year to see his tweets that's fucking sad yeah and it, like so wasn't the whole premise of that game theory thread initially to be like oh you thought that obama and all these democrats just like abandoned you and you know you, you see them like not doing anything about this like en- encroaching like authoritarianism and uh, autocracy well it was just strap in and sit down or with and get a heckin uh brewski and i'm gonna enlighten <laughs> you like wasn't wasn't that the whole premise of that thread that there was some like secret plan unfolding that's going to result in like the, the liberty being restored and the the cheeto man being removed wasn't mm-hmm. that like completely proven to be false and like by by well, subsequent events? You know, just like <laughs> you could interpret it that way. I think the if you want to find out, you should subscribe to his Twitter account, and you could he'll give he'll yeah, tell I guess you more. That's the, he'll tell you yeah. more what you want to hear. It's all, it's all just the long game. Uh, God damn! So you think that you were just abandoned by these people, but really, <laughs> plotting behind the scenes to uh, to. I don't know. I don't know what they're plotting to do. It doesn't seem like doesn't seem like any of that stuff matters to me personally from where I'm sitting. But you know, get, <laughs> go go to town, Eric. He blocked me actually a while ago. That's why I haven't seen I haven't seen Eric. Oh, on the I might be blocked as well. Yeah. Well. Anyway, that's the it's feedback corner. It's reviews. Whatever. It's fine. Thank you, everyone. I guess for contributing to that. 
whatever that was. <laughs> so please, uh, please leave us a serious review where you, without these jokes, without this, these bits that you're doing, just cut those out ideally and just call, just, you know, call the, the podcast what it is and you can use our proper names and everything. You over that on Apple podcasts before we get to, uh, before we get to our guest, uh, Kofi, you can also remind you to subscribe over at the insurgents.substack.com. Um, you can make a monthly contribution there right now, a, a monthly contribution or an annual contribution will get you into our, our discord server, which is really cool, really cool community, uh, growing in there along with the, 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 uh, ex- very exclusive no Ken zone where Ken will never be involved in that community. That is my promise to you. And um, I know it's been kind of a, a, a tough time for everyone. It's been of a so we've not really been pushing this uh, subscription part of the the show over the last couple of months. I think we were talking about within the next few weeks actually starting to do some like bonus content and other stuff that's exclusively for subscribers. So um, that is going to be we're still kind of figuring out the logistics of that, but that's going to be happening over the next couple of weeks. So if you want to subscribe, um, that's where you do it. The insurgents.substack. Com. Is, there, is there anything else that I'm forgetting about here? No, I think that's it. Uh, right after this, we'll be with Kofi Yaboa of SB Nation's Fumble Dimension. now Kofi Yaboa from SB Nation the show Fumble Dimension a video producer there Kofi how are you thank you for joining us I'm doing good thanks for having me of course of course so uh you and I run into each other a lot on Twitch um you are you're, you're really getting into Twitch lately um and you you want we like to open up a, with a little bit of small talk for every interview and one thing I was really hoping you could talk to our our listeners about is um, there's a new up-and-coming sport, and you seem to kind of have your finger on the pulse of this through your Twitch streams. What is marble racing? Oh, man. I, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, there is a marble racer. I think his name is Yells Marble Racing. He has a YouTube channel, and he's done, what, Marbula, Marbula 1, where... They have different circuits, different teams, and they have different fan bases for each. But it's basically just marble racing, and they're different events, and it's it's some of the most interesting YouTube content I've ever witnessed. Honestly, <laughs> every every marble racing fan like has a team, so I'm Team Galactic for now. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting, and there's also a game on Steam called Marbles on Stream which is an interesting Twitch game where your Twitch chat can interact and have their own marble and then you race them and whoever wins, wins. But if I win, apparently I rig the game. So that's an interesting oh, is that development. what the chat saying? Yeah, the chat is like, oh, Kofi won again? I'm like, it's only been three times and we've played this for <laughs> the course of two weeks. So I don't know so what you're talking about. So marble racing, is this like an actual like a game or is, or is it like literally taking marbles and, and racing them? So the YouTube channel is taking marbles and racing them. Okay. And it's and it's like the Olympic broadcast. There's a play-by-play person. Um, <laughs> there are marbles in the stands. Uh, it's it's a good it's a fun time it's a fun time and marbles on stream is a game it's uh like a 3d 
racing platform thing. And you can make your own tracks, which I haven't figured out how to do well yet, but hopefully one day I'll become a true marble track master. Well, yeah, with time. I mean, that's just this is discipline. Yeah, I'm dating myself on this, but you're reminding me of the classic NES game, Marble Madness, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, which I remember playing as a kid and being like, this is like the future. Oh my gosh, it's so technologically <laughs> I mean, in a way, advanced. you were right. Yeah, you were kind of, yeah, yeah you weren't I mean, wrong. Yeah. Points were made. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cool game. Marble Madness. Um, way back. This is when I had to walk to school uphill uh, in the snow with no shoes. <laughs> Every Ten feet day. of Canadian snow. Yeah, in the, all the Canadian, the tundra. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, Kofi, yeah. um, folks might know you best from your show, uh, Fumble Dimension, where you guys, I don't know how best to put this, but I think the, the way I've just come to describe it to my friends is you guys try to break sports video games. Uh, is, is that accurate? I think the, I think our our ideas and motivations is to test video games limits like test limitations of video <laughs> games like further be like okay what is what is the stupidest thing we can do within the realm of the code within the realm of the developers and what did the developers like not expect two idiots with a platform to try out you know what i'm saying it's like what like come on like what do you what do you expect what what are you not going to expect from like that's going to be content. That's what we're trying to make content. It's like, hey, what's the video that you would least expect from this game here? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so some examples uh, of that would be, uh, you know, trying to replicate the Detroit Lions winless season uh, just by throwing uh, the same play or running the same play every time, which is just, you know, sending Calvin Johnson down the field streaking. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was a post route. Uh, but just repeatedly every game for the full season and seeing if you could beat the uh, the Lions' winless record. Uh, another one where you just kind of imagine a future of basketball in, in 2K where nobody can play. Everyone's short. They have no skill, and they can't actually <laughs> play the game of basketball. Uh, you had a you had a golf course where you let... And this is what I think the crowd participation is very funny because you had the golf course one where you tried to have uh, your fans and viewers... Uh, place obstacles in the golf course and you had a you know full 18 hole course that was just absolute chaos Uh, examples like that and i think um uh that seems to just really be taking off um what how did this this kind of this show start uh and did you imagine it would get to be this popular oh so that's a that's a interesting that's an interesting story behind that actually so i've been at sp nation since january 2017 um and for about a year and a half when i was there when i i'm still there but about a year and a half at sp nation i was a social media producer and i wanted to get into video wanted to get on the video team so i'm sitting here in my dc apartment i had i work from 5 p.m to 1 a.m i'm sitting here in my dc apartment being like oh yeah i can't really like say i'm interested in joining the video team when I really don't have any video stuff on my resume since I've left college. So I start this YouTube channel for about a year where I just talk about random sports things or random things in TV. And half of it is to just, yeah, have my own personal platform. But the other half is to just work on my video skills and be like, hey, I can do this. So I then made a PowerPoint slide 
of me like pitching what I would do in if I was a part of the Espionation video team. So at the time, uh, Ryan Nanny was the editor in chief of Espionation. Um, and he calls me up to New York. I was in DC at the time. He's like, okay, we're going to go, you're going to come to New York and you're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about like your future here, like what job position, whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. So I have this PowerPoint presentation, 35 slides, by the way. Um, (laughs) I walk into the room in New York and it's me and it's Ryan and John's there and Ryan's like, okay um john is getting a new team and he wants you to be a part of it and i was like yeah fuck my presentation uh (laughs) that sounds like a way better idea and then that was that was the entire meeting um (laughs) so then john comes up with the idea for fumble dimension because i had worked in trying to do crazy stuff with video games before and he had done his breaking madden series years and years before um pretty good and all those other series that all those other wonderful series that he does so the original name was i think supposed to be nightmare which was named after i think a doom level but then we difficulty level yeah yeah the difficulty level in doom that was the original name for it but then when we were working on the NBA 2K video, we realized that maybe we should change the name to something that's like more more versatile in terms of like what we want to do with this series. So John came up with the name Fumble Dimension, right? Mm-hmm. It's the first name he pitched to me, and I was like, dude, that is incredible. And then we spent the next hour like trying to workshop other potential names and we were like yeah i don't think we're gonna beat fumble dimension (laughs) so then we just like (laughs) then we just settled on that so nice that's cool yeah i mean it's it's yeah i can't recommend it enough if if you are into either sports or video games i mean there's a cross appeal i think people listening should check it out it's it's really fun you guys do really fantastic work there Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. We we t- it takes a long time to make each video, so it means the world when people are like, "Hey, I really appreciated uh, the work you put into it," and I'm like, "Thank you. That means the world <laughs> to me because this took a while." Yeah, so yeah. it's funny because you mentioned NBA 2K. It's like I've I've always had a great time playing those games. Always really enjoyed them, but I find some of the best times I've ever had is just treating it more like an RPG almost and just creating these these host of wacky <laughs> characters to go against each other and stuff and you know spending those like long hot summers with your roommates and the you know the college university days with all your your weird cast of characters battling it out they become like more real to you than like actual players that you're used to seeing right That's exactly and it's just like i I've, I've had a bunch of people come up to me and be like oh, hey, this reminds me of back when I had, what, MVP Baseball 2005, and I tried to do this or this or this. And I'm like, yes, we were trying to celebrate the creativity and, like, how far you can go with certain video games in general. So it's, like, half, like, an investigation on what we can do with the game, but it's also half of a celebration of, like, the sports video game genre in in general. Very cool. Well, speaking of the NBA, uh, I know everyone's really excited. Good news. Everything's going back to normal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the NBA is coming back uh, in the totally the totally safe environment of Florida and Disney Bubble. World, where everything is is there's no problems there at all. How how excited are you to see the boys back on the the hardwood in in a very 
non dystopian and, uh, <laughs> and and regular uh, experience coming up here. What's your excitement level for that? Uh, my excitement level is basically a zero. <laughs> like I can't, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't. I, yeah, I can't was being inf- sarcastic about some of that stuff. It's actually oh, and I know, I know, pretty I know, frightening. I know. Yeah, just to clear I up can't, in case anyone was. I know, but I know some people like really are. But I can't, for the life of me, watch social media, social videos from the NBA of players practicing in a hotel conference room, and me being like, "Oh yeah, everything's fine." <laughs> you know, I can't for I can't do that, right? Yeah. And same like the Disney the Disney careers. You remember that t- that tweet? The Disney careers being like Disney's reopening. I'm like, aren't they there? This is yeah. not going to end well at all. Yeah, they the Florida is now seeing a huge spike. This, the rec- a record single day spike with fifteen thousand uh, new cases yesterday. Um, t- extremely dangerous. I mean, no real like wide-ranging precautions or or safety measures like you're not required to wear a mask throughout florida and while they're in this bubble i mean you don't know exactly how secure it is and we're already seeing players and teams get sick and then today i saw you tweeting about it kofi um there's some teams that just suddenly and and without commenting on why but they just completely total like totally canceled their practices so it raises some serious red flags yeah but even I think for that tweet, but even if it's just a normal practice cancellation, we're all like, A, this could be bad, which is a good sign of we should not do this at all. Right. Yes, because I saw people in the comments under that post saying, like, let's not read too much into this. It's like, well, what do you expect? (laughs) We don't have any choice. I mean, come on. Uh, That's all I'm going to have to do is read into this. If you're reporting it, like, oh, yes, because, yeah. Yeah, because on the one hand, it is totally kind of understandable. They've taken two months off. They're getting right back into this ultra competitive environment. And maybe it is just, you know, we've got to ease back into it. Let's cancel the practice for today, fellas, kind of thing. But or it could be a outbreak of a, of a possibly fatal and an infectious disease. No one really knows. And that's the kind of that's the kind of messed up thing. Which is like, yeah, it's like that's why I'm like, I can't really I can't be excited for basketball or any sport that's currently being uh, played in America because we haven't handled the virus well at all. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's very bittersweet. It's very bittersweet. Like I, I love the NBA. I've been watching the NBA for you know like twenty twenty five years or so. Dating myself again, unfortunately. Uh, I was I was so excited for the season. I'm a big Toronto Raptors fan. You know, last year they finally finally after years and years of mediocrity and failure got over the hump, won the NBA title. I was super in love with this year's team, which is like a you know a lot of the championship core, but with the kind of chip on their shoulder without Kawhi Leonard, no one really expected anything. They were doing really well. I was really, really excited for the playoffs to start to see uh, whether they could make a real run without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, And then this whole, you know, the pandemic happened, everything kind of closed down. And that's it. I just can't, as, as excited as I was for that, I just can't bring myself to feel anything about this. It just feels so wrong and dystopian. The idea of just seeing these games with no fans, it's, it's supposed to, you're supposed to kind of allow yourself to believe that it's somehow connected to the previous uh, season or that it's, you know, there's any connection there at all, but it just doesn't feel like, like that in any way. Um, so I don't know. It just, that's it. It's like, it feels like there's going to be, there's the stakes are not really there. It just seems like it, it kind of a design to just make everyone 
think that everything's going back to normal, but like nothing is going back to normal. And this is just another example of that. And I just, it doesn't seem safe for the players or anyone. It just seems like a bad idea. I would love to be wrong about this, but I'm not looking forward to it. I get like, I guess I'll have to watch. Um, I'll not be able to, I, I don't think I'll be able to just not watch it at all, but uh, very, very conflicting. I have very, very conflicting feelings about all this. And that's the wild part is that throughout the course of history, sports have been an escape right but this is a situation where sports can't help us escape this um because there have been many athletes that even though people are like oh the athletes are in their like the prime condition they'll be fine uh, mm -hmm. like there i think (laughs) von miller von miller i think has is still dealing with like after effects of symptoms and he got it like two or three months ago so it's not only like it's not just the thing about if an athlete gets it, oh, just go away for 14 days. You'll be fine. Yeah. Like, if an athlete gets it, they may never be okay again, right? And that's the whole that's the whole terrifying part about this is that, hey, this is not safe. Um, there is zero room for error in whatever plan that we have. And if something slips through the cracks, this athlete's career – might never be the same again or they may they might they might die like that's a serious thing to look at yeah i mean there seems to be just kind of a general ignorance around the consequences especially if you're young and healthy we're seeing story after story of young healthy people getting and dying or getting and suffering like long-term or permanent consequences like you know like their lungs are just forever altered because of this thing and because we're being, th- and I think that what you said was such an important d- point. Um, sports have always been a distraction, and I think that the rush to bring back uh, basketball and bring back baseball, uh, and then the conversations around an, an augmented college football and NFL season, are ultimately because this would be the entry point for a larger effort to reopen and just kind of live with this th- this virus, and. Um, I think this is just, you know, this is this is the first step. We have basketball back. We're entertained. We see the benefits of having a return to normalcy. We get some sort of return uh, to regularity through, you know, the, the the habit of watching sports. Like that's just a, you know, something a pastime that most people are familiar with and, and many people enjoy. And this is just one step of the way. Then soon it's, you know, hey, you should go back to work too. Hey, everything should reopen again, and we'll just you know we'll wear masks and we'll live with it instead of just taking precautions to protect everyone's safety. And I'm I'm gonna be honest when this first when this first like got big, right? It wasn't really it made it 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 seemed like only old people would like would suffer from this, right? Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. it that's what it seemed like at first. But the more we learned about it, the more we're like. Okay, this is a, this is a, everybody, everybody, no one is safe, no one is immune, all of that. Once we learned about that, it's like, certain people were like, I'm not gonna wear a mask, like, whatever, like, and then some people are like, hey, bro, I got friends and family to protect, you know? So, Mm -hmm. it's just been like, the more that we know about it, the more informed we are, the more precautious that we can be, Um, but there's still always is that risk whenever you walk outside no matter what yeah yeah and people are treating it like 
like they know all the information about this like oh once you get it and you're you beat it then it's fine and you're okay like we're saying but like this is no one knows no one knows anything about the long-term consequences or effects of this this is a disease that did not exist one year ago so this right. no one has any fucking clue what the long-term <laughs> effects are going to be on anybody uh so it's it's bizarre to see people still use that framing of just like oh no you know it's it's mostly they're healthy nba players they're healthy athletes uh you know if you get it you're gonna get the sniffles for two weeks and then it's okay no with like authority like the authority of like being of like a a fucking doctor or something but no one actually knows no one has any idea what the long-term effects are yeah and it goes back to a mentality that people have had about athletes so many for so many years it's been like oh you make millions to play a game dude yeah it's like you make millions to play a game you should consider yourself lucky and it's like hey bro that's that's not how it works at all (laughs) like that never has been how it works but that's such a that's been such a mentality among (laughs) a certain group of sports fans and you just see it and you're just like oh man this it's just not getting through to you about how dangerous that mentality can be no matter what the situation yeah. is yeah we see that manifest especially when it comes to uh, team associations where people will get upset when a player uh, as a free agent goes to a different team like these fans have some sort of ownership over the player it's really bizarre um and it kind of it, it objectifies and reduces them to sub some some sort of subhuman uh, entity yeah, it's like how they dare you have... ask for more money it's like you yeah. know what i'm saying it's like it's just such a weird it's such a weird vibe <laughs> well and that's what all this is about ultimately yeah. it's like they it, they can talk about whatever altruistic reasons oh we need to have to you know entertain people and we need to bring some sense of normalcy back ultimately it's so the owners can continue and the tv studios can continue to make billions of dollars and that's ultimately what it comes down to with the reason that they don't want to just cancel the thing altogether and they're forcing people to kind of go through with this uh, ultimately, right. it's just so they can they can just like keep those wheels turning as long as possible. Yeah, and that's why that's why there's never been like a that's why you. I don't think I see a league where it's like okay, we should just cancel the season and wait. It's like let's make like the incremental steps so that we could at least make some money off of the rest of the season. And it's just like they're like tiptoeing like right to see if they like step on a like a Lego. You see if they like, oh, it's like, oh, okay, it's too far. Okay, this is this is where we should. It's like, guys, <laughs> that's why I can't really, I can't really enjoy any sport really that's being watched. Um, but luckily, I have been like not watching sports for like a year and a half. I've been like watching like esports more, and I've been trying to get into esports more in general. So whenever someone's like, oh, I can't really, I can't watch this, I can't watch sports. What am I gonna do? I'm like, okay, I have an esport for you. I have an esport for you. <laughs> I got an esport. You like this? Rocket League. You like this? Uh, maybe Call <laughs> of Duty. You like this? And it's like, I I want to help be like to transition. Be like, okay, sports may not be here, but. There are other things that you can watch. There are other competitive things that you can watch right now where, like, you can still feel that edge of, like, rooting for someone, finding a team. And that's why marble racing, of course, we're going to bring it back to the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> that's why marble racing is so interesting. <laughs> and I'm glad that uh, last week tonight, like, sponsored it so that we can have those alternatives. Yeah. And not, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know in in many ways the return of the NBA is a bit depressing and dystopian, but one thing we can take away that is obviously great is the list of very inspiring uh, pre-approved social justice slogans that players can choose to wear on their jerseys, such as vote and uh, 
education reform and then oh, really boy. inspiring messages of of Ooh. hope and solidarity like that so yeah. that's i mean Hold that's on. one you, positive you forgot the best one you forgot the what? best one which group is that economics yes <laughs> group economics was that spencer Let's go. that one me all my homies love group economics yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah definitely as soon as i saw that so, list i was like this is this is just not this the is point. painful yeah like it, it, uh, uh. it's between that and like just the corporate their corporate social just, justice pivot, like from McDonald's changing their Twitter handle to, or their Twitter like display name to amplifying black voices, uh, to ESPN and Disney's like pre in the NBA like pre-approved social justice messages, to all these types of like hollow overtures toward uh, you know the Black Lives Matter movement. It's just it's just that coupled with this forced return of sports to placate people who are suffering at a moment when like. Half of the country is out of work. I just saw a stat yesterday. 30% of homeowners missed their payments in July. Like, it's just, it's just rings so hollow because at the end of the day, they're so closely linked to all of these problems because they don't want to return. They don't want to re- or re- have the NBA return because they care about the, the, the thrill of the game or, you know, the integrity of the NBA or anything like that. It's, it's to make money. It's so ESPN can fill a, a, a gaping hole in their ad revenue budget. It's so Disney can sort of try to plug the, 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 the hole in the dam there. And so the NBA can, you know, get some ad dollars, some, some, TV, some TV money, the contract from ESPN. It's just all of this together. It's just so hollow. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting, the dichotomy between the, the, how, like, the concept or the slogan of that Black Lives Matter has become kind of like a acceptable... Uh, social justice message to uh, um, advocate for with this big platform. Uh, you see all the NBA players in their Black Lives Matter shirts, and, and the, the Raptors, for example, had a big Black Lives Matter mural on their bus. And like that is that is great, but it's interesting how you don't like when you talk about those pre-approved slogans. You don't see anything about the police on there. Like no one's able to like make that distinction. Like that's that's too much, right? So it's like we can we can we can say that Black Lives Matter, and we can use our big corporate platform to to suggest this. But any of the actual solutions that people are banding around to like prove this, prove that Black Lives Matter, or to 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 actually address the systemic racism and police violence, which is what really uh, the uprisings over the last couple of months have been about, all of that is off the table. No one can say anything about that. Uh, so yeah. it's, it just ends up being this kind of watered down, bland corporate version of social justice, which doesn't actually really accomplish anything. Yeah, and it's like the it's like guys, the NBA, you're not you're not slick. You know what I'm saying? It's like we we can see through that. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just it's just yeah. Well, even look at the pearl clutching over. I think it was who had the joke. I think it was someone on the Grizzlies had the joke about putting uh, "fuck twelve on their jersey. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone are like everyone recoiled. And like, oh, how could you no. do that? <laughs> oh man. What do you think the problem is? Like, what what do you think is causing this problem? Yeah, like, exactly. It really speaks to that point. Mm-hmm. Um. And there was the whole so another crossover with the NBA and politics based on uh, on you know around this whole reopening of the NBA was you had uh, NBA reporter uh, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, Woj the Woj bomb sorry I'm probably pronouncing his name incorrectly um, telling telling Senator Josh Howley uh, fuck you in an email when Howley sent him kind of like a trollish email about uh, about like the NBA's relationship with China and stuff and now he's been suspended. And you have all these NBA players kind of coming to his, uh, coming to uh, his his aid and trying to get him reinstated. That's so that's created this whole other political headache from the NBA and ESPN and Disney, like right on the on the verge of this uh, this 
uh, the league reopening. Like, do you, do you think there's some, like, hypocrisy there? Um, I mean, we're having all these, these conversations about, you know, the free speech and, you know, rigorous debate and stuff, cancel culture, uh, and then Josh Howley, as soon as he gets an opportunity to, like, snitches to this guy's employer and gets him suspended for sending him a mean email. All, all I know like is that all I know there. is that the mouse doesn't play around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. M- Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse isn't cool, ain't, ain't cool with that, bro. Like I, I, I was like, yeah, he's definitely get, like I saw it. I was like, yeah, he's definitely getting suspended. Like I don't, I don't see how like Disney would like see this go public and be like, oh, nah. But it's like, yeah, I get, I get why the why, yeah. It's and, and, it's frustrating. Oh, it's like ahead. interesting. I'm just like, oh. Well, because it's interesting because I never thought I would see that he- or hear that come from Woj. Because Woj is yeah, like, on, yeah, tw- on Twitter, Woj is like, all right, here's the news. I'm going to like disappear until there's more news. And then when you just see that, you're like, wow, I did not think that he would do that. That is, wow, what a day. And, and Josh Howley yeah. is like the, the up and coming right wing cosplayer for like the like anti-corporation takes uh and it just it i don't know it just struck me as very odd and bizarre that and maybe unexpected i guess but that <laughs> not being sufficiently deferential to him led uh a giant corporation to suspend someone and i understand like why disney's so protective of that kind of stuff but also like what's josh halley doing to defend watch yeah like isn't this like his new bread and butter um it just seemed very insincere. It felt like some kind of like Mad Libs, you know. Well, 2020, 2020 has just right. been a year full of Mad Libs, but that that <laughs> yeah. one was just like I'm just like okay, well, I guess that happened today. Uh, uh, you mentioned <laughs> that earlier, uh, Kofi, exactly. and I was hoping to you know explore this a little bit more since you and I found ourselves in the trenches. Um, you mentioned esports, uh, and may- perhaps one of the most rising esports forces. Uh, would be the the United States Army uh, esports team, and uh, they made news this week. But you know they were they, they made news like I guess this weekend last for for suspending people in both their Discord and their Twitch chats for pointing out uh, the military's long history of um, war crimes, uh, you know, despicable behavior, crimes against humanity, things like that. Um, and you and I found ourselves uh, it, it <laughs> embroiled in their latest uh, controversy after they started banning people in their Twitch chat for for pointing that out. Um, as an esports connoisseur and fan, um, what could be made about the, like the new rise of of military esports? I think it's incredibly weird. <laughs> yeah, I I just don't I just don't <laughs> understand. I don't want to watch what I don't want to watch a lieutenant play call of duty yeah it just it just feels like it just feels it just feels weird dude i i don't know well that's it i wanted to bring this up next because i wanted to call both of you in oh, for you? uh helping organize a, a targeted harassment campaign <laughs> against the the poor innocent people of the uh army yeah. you know and they're just trying to have a good time online and then you have you shit disturbers like like jordan and kofi coming in there just because they may have committed a few war crimes here and there, you know, you're you're interrupting their good time gaming. 
And uh, pr- frankly, I thought it was pretty disrespectful, and I was I was glad that they banned you personally. For for the record, I <laughs> I am not banned because I didn't send a message in the Twitch chat. Oh. All right, I know I'm on a wa- I know I'm on a watch list now, but I just <laughs> want to make that clear so I'm a little bit lower on the priority board. Okay, yeah. just want to make that uh, abundantly clear. <laughs> if anyone gets drone striked, it's going to be me. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's so bizarre that they're they're playing a game. In a rec- this whole thing is a recruiting effort, and they're playing this game where you could use white phosphorus, which is a war crime when used to... It, it violates the Chemical Weapons Convention when used to kill people. And you use it in this game explicitly to kill people. It's a kill streak re- reward. And so it violates the Chemical Weapons Convention. It's still being used by the United States, despite their, their denials. Um, ask... I mean people who are honest and forthcoming and i know i know some some vets personally uh, friends of mine who who've admitted you know uh you know embarrassingly enough but they admitted that they they used it when they were uh deployed and they didn't use it just for you know camouflaging movement which you were technically allowed to use it for they used it because they knew that in a crowded area it would kill people and we're still using this and but the th- the thing is when turkey or or Syria uses it. Well, we are the United States officials rush uh, Got to over the to government label. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a war crime. They shouldn't be doing this. But we use this, and it's in this game. And the United States military is using it to, you know, fill the fill time on their Twitch stream, and they're they're playing in Call of Duty uh, tournaments, and they sponsor the Call of Duty League, and they can't handle that. People point that out. And it's not just to fill time, it's to recruit young people and to yeah. reach young people and recruit them to yep. join the military. I mean, that's ultimately what we're talking yeah. about here, right? Like, that's that's the purpose of this. Yeah, and it just it, it just comes off as odd. Especially, it's just like, I don't I don't want, like, like it's just a, gov- it's a government organization, right? A government organization trying to, like, <laughs> sound cool and hip to young people, and it just comes off yeah. Yeah. as fucking weird. It just does. It's like I cannot, like, for the life of me, be like, I want to watch the U.S. Army <laughs> play duos in Warzone. I don't under, I don't know who's going to yeah. do that. Like, But I've never, like, opened up Twitch and been like, you know what I want to do today? I want to watch a lieutenant drop down in a battle royale. <laughs> With guns that like they might have, they have access to in real life. I never, I've never wanted to like see that. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I really and, like don't. you talk about you talk about white phosphorus. Like if you look at images from Fallujah, for example, of victims of white phosphorus, like it's just like a fucking disgusting, horrifying, uh, horrible, horrible disgrace. And then you contrast, you know, the the reality of of U.S. military war crimes in Iraq and elsewhere. With them, you know, playing these games in order to recruit people, where it's kind of this sanitized, diluted version, and then you contrast that also with their like their their new kind of social brand of like the the Heckin uh, <laughs> UWU whatever whatever uwu. like uwu. Cutie, yeah uwu I don't know how you're supposed to you know, pronounce that or whatever, uwu. but it's just so it's just so fucking bizarre. Just like when you when you contrast the reality of like what they're advocating for with yeah. their like lighthearted like like Zoomer tone that they're using on social media it's just sick um and it's you know fuck it was interesting (laughs) to see how how uh, jordan you were able to call attention to this 
uh, just by by <laughs> mentioning war crimes in the Twitch chat. And you're saying it actually it's because you can't actually type war crimes. So you have to use mm-hmm. W4R to, to yeah. talk about war crimes. You, have to, you can only talk about it in elite speak. So that's right. That's right. Not really fits the brand. <laughs> I, I will say that after Jordan got banned and when people started flocking the channel, the moderators were putting in <laughs> work. Like every every single reply afterwards, mods were getting to it like that. They were just like, "Oh my god!" I don't think I've ever seen like a Twitch chat yes. moderator like the moderators have to work as that hard ever. I've never seen well, they, anything like it. So the, yeah, I Kofi really has these like hilarious screenshots of just message deleted, message deleted, message deleted. Eight twenty one nineteen, which is a reference to the day Hassan talked about nine eleven on his stream, and they didn't catch that one. And if they knew the significance, they would be furious. That one didn't get recognized or caught, so they left that one up there. And then it was message deleted, message deleted, message. It was it was hilarious. They ended up stopping the stream. And you DM'd me afterwards saying what that was, and I was like, I had no idea. I was yeah, like, his channel has turned eight twenty one nineteen into a meme. Oh no! Uh, and then, uh, and then, friend of the show, uh, Rod Breslow, uh, esports commentator, took credit for it after, and, and got a whole bunch of uh, repeatedly. Yeah. Wow. Very classy behavior from Rod there. It was so funny. I think it was just confusing because I don't use my name on Twitch, but it's not not the end of the world. I I was like, okay, I posted the screenshot under the Twitch. I was like, oh, random regular uh regular Twitch interaction between uh me, Jordan, and Slasher, and it's like vice.com. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Like, yeah, it got it got picked like, up oh, and sh- aggregated on like every gaming site. I was like, shit, I want to watch this definitely for now, for, for sure. I was like, fuck. <laughs> well, it, it, and it's funny, too, because it's the classic, as much as they try to seem like Zoomer-facing and hip, it's the classic thing of by by trying to ensure that nobody could talk about this on their channel, they turned it into a much, much bigger story than it would have been if they had just ignored it. Um, but because they can't, they couldn't do that, they ended up blowing it up into this this big story that, that got aggregated everywhere. Which is a classic, you know, how are you doing, fellow kids, <laughs> online move. Oh, facts. Uh, as much as they try to appeal to that crowd, obviously they, they totally botched that, which was funny. It was funny from where I was sitting. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, to go back to the recruiting context, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this because I have a piece coming out in the nation on it specifically this week. And they, I looked into it, and they, they, the practices that they employ are, are deeply insidious. So... The Navy has an esports team and they stream on Twitch and their bio is like you something about like, you you know, you want to sit in front of a screen all day. We pay you to do it. And like that's how they frame their esports team. Oof. So there's over 300,000 active duty uh, Navy members, men and women. And yeah. 10 people on the esports team. Now think about how likely you are if you enlist and sign up on their form to try to get on the esports team, how likely you are to actually end up doing that or just being some grunt doing the work. You know, and then the army frames these types of things. Their link in their Twitter bio says like uh, you know, army.go slash esports and you click it think you might be thinking, Oh, this is cool. I want to join their esports team. I want to try out. It's a recruiting form. And on the top it just says register to win. There's no mention of a contest oh, or fuck. anything. At the very bottom in small print, it talk, it, it, there's a disclosure that it's a recruiting form. In their chat, on their on their Twitch channel. Well, if there's one thing the U.S. Automated... military knows about, it's winning. So 
Yeah, right. The in the chat, there's an automated message that says, "Win a, a Xbox Elite uh, Controller Series Two, which is like a two hundred dollar controller. Like it's it's like the it's like the fancy bells and whistles controller that like competitive controller players use, and that's a, that's a nice prize." You click the link, it takes you to a recruiting form, no mention of the contest ever again. And there are ethical complications around this too because the youngest age you can be on Twitch is 13 uh, and they do not age restrict the military esports channels either. The youngest you can be recruited is 16. But I filled out the form, <laughs> the form that they lead you to, doesn't necessarily say that they, I, I, I applied as if, as if I was a 13 year old, the youngest person on Twitch who could go to this link and kind of follow that workflow. And I clicked through it. I was like, okay, I'm 13 here. There, I'm clicking through. It just, it collects your information. Doesn't say it, like, doesn't, or terminates it or whatever. Doesn't say they won't contact you when you hit 16, but just says the youngest they can start to recruit you is 16. That's very young to be, A, fed military propaganda, and B, start to form a relationship with a predatory recruiter. It's extremely dangerous. Yeah, that's not good. That is, oof. I had, I had, Jesus Christ. Oof. Um, another kind of disturbing link too is the fact that when you think about the U.S. military getting involved in this kind of esports stuff and like military gaming, that's how a lot of warfare is carried out now. Is by not by people going yep. to you know get sent overseas to uh, you know be infantry in in wars, but literally just sitting in front of a, a, a screen and a joystick and assassinating people like that with drone warfare. Yep. Uh, so it's very bizarre and and extremely dystopian and scary, uh, the idea that they're kind of like reaching out to gamers and ultimately like without without implicitly saying that what a lot of that means is like oh you like this like pretend game where you're going and like pretending to shoot people well you can do the exact same thing you can just sit in your gamer chair in a nice air conditioned room and do that but actually like murder actual human beings. Um, that's that's insanely fucked up to me. I don't know about you. Guys. And, and that yeah, and that's where the that's where the in, that's where the disconnect is. Just yep. like, hey, this is what we do in real life, uh, but we're also cool. Yep. Yeah. You know, and it's like, hey, bro, I, mm, I I disagree with that a hundred percent. You know, it's just it's going to be way more difficult to end endless wars when that type of warfare becomes like the main approach when you have a bunch of kids sitting in facilities in Iowa with Xbox controllers flying drones or controllers or joysticks, whatever, flying drones uh, thousands of miles away, dropping bombs on unsuspecting people uh, in, in villages and burning it down and killing, you know, innocent kids and civilians. There's no, there's no, I don't know, there's no empathy there's no regard for their well-being and their their way of life. We already have that problem, that disconnect, because of the xenophobia and jingoism in foreign policy. And now you want to completely automate the process or make it, uh, you know, some sort of autonomous, uh, unmanned drone doing this type of work with someone thousands of miles away at a joystick. And you want to make that the entire way, uh, uh, the entire way the United States conducts combat. We'll we'll never be able to do it. The apathy is already seemingly insurmountable as is and we have people on the ground there how are we gonna how are we gonna discontinue this type of like violent imperialism if it's all like framed like a video game not great 
not a great development i think all this stuff sorry to be a downer i know it was like points for points were made and i was like i don't i don't yeah i don't have anything to add on that part um fuck do we have anything like more lighthearted we can pivot into because it's gotten very dark this when this conversation started off very quite very quite fun talking about you know sports and marble madness and such sports video games now we're talking about like yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're raising a generation Always of zoomers to, to just like massacre, uh, you know, uh, kids in the Middle East with, from the comfort of a Nevada uh, like, doing, warehouse. Doing doing the floss dance at their U.S. like drone facility. <laughs> or did you see like the video of the that was kind of going viral today of that like Boston Dynamics robot doing yes. gymnastics and stuff? Yeah, <laughs> yes. just pilot one of that one of those bad boys through the Gaza Strip, just like fucking mowing down and just uh, disturbing. Very whenever I stuff. see those robot things, whenever I see those robots like doing shit, I'm just like, "Hey, bro, have y'all seen iRobot?" Yeah, because that we literally know how this a, movie ends. Hey, like, man. We... <laughs> hey, with that, if that thing has a red glowing light, uh, it's it's yeah, over, watch bro. Out. Watch it's out. over. So I don't know, Jordan. Can you pivot us back to, to something something more lighthearted, so we don't close on this uh, really disturbing uh, dystopian <laughs> note? I'm gonna leave that up to you, my friend. That's all you. God, what pressure. Uh, I have like a one-track mind this weekend just because I've just been so immersed in this kind of stuff. I mean, you're not really watching. Okay, so what's the what's the future of esports then? So Rod Rod had a joke when the pandemic started and all these sports leagues got canceled. It's like it went from esports isn't a sport to esports is the only sport. And I do think that this type of like socially distanced digital competitions is going to be uh, the future or part of the future. And we had like the rise of like poker in the mid 2000s and all those poker websites and poker tournaments and everything. And now we're seeing like Overwatch and Call of Duty and Fortnite and all these types of things. What does the future look like to you, Kofi? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say and disclaim that I'm not an esports expert in the slightest. <laughs> so I don't want gamers coming after me, being like, "You don't know what you're talking about," because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I will say this is that it's been more and more enjoying it's been more and more fulfilling getting more and more into esports over the course of these two three years um my first the first esport that i really watched was nba 2k league because i had been on site to cover the draft and i had covered a bunch of and i've like been like watching the games they're in their third season now and then i got to i went Mm -hmm. to overwatch league right where i hadn't played overwatch so for the first week i was like what is happening and then i got the game and then it just became more and more natural to me to be like oh okay i understand what's happening during this broadcast so i just like the fact that i am getting more and more integrated into watching esports and having it be a normal everyday way of life for me and I really hope and pray that that can be the case for other people as well, especially in a time where sports aren't safe. So I hope that there is like there are other things because people people love competition. People flock to competition no matter what. I'm just hoping that people can support these or flock to these scenes where, hey, these are virtual, like these are safer than sports right now. Um, and it's just a good alternative. So I really don't know about what the future holds, but I, I really know that I, since I get into esports now, and I know that for some people, esports sounds terrifying to get into, but 
I think my advice is just to find that one thing that you can relate to at first and then branch out. So my first thing would be like, okay, you like sports, Rocket League. It's soccer with cars, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because for me, the first time I ever played Rocket League, it just I I was someone that was probably skeptical of like esports and that kind of stuff be ever really taking off to be like a mainstream thing. And as soon as I played Rocket League for like 30 seconds, I was like, oh, okay, no, I get totally how this could totally be the future of like competition that people get really into. Because, you know, you talked about like Call of Duty and Fortnite and these games where you're going around and shooting each other. Uh, but the idea of something that's like an actual sport and not not a sport that's just, you know, a, a facsimile of stuff that we were used to watching humans watch, humans play, like basketball or football or soccer or whatever, but right. like this like fantastic and futuristic thing that could never exist in the real world with like a, a sort of a degree of difficulty and, and competition and stuff like that. As soon as I played that, I was like, oh, okay, no, I get how this could totally be become a, a huge sensation. Yeah, and I've had to explain esports to like my parents and my parents' friends before, and those have been long talks. But uh, ev- like, I feel like every time I have that like talk, I feel like twenty percent get it in the room, and I'm like, that's good enough for me. Like, I understand that it's not for everyone, but I'm just glad that you understood what I was saying for the last thirty minutes about esports so it's like it's not for everyone of like it's not for like not everyone's gonna be like oh some people are gonna be like i don't get it and i'm and, some, and after i explain i'll be like okay but for the people that do get it i'm just gonna be glad that i was like able to introduce them to it or be like hey this is a really cool thing and i know this might be hard for you to uh, integrate yourself with by yourself but i was glad that i'm able to like help you be like okay here's where you can find that sense of competitiveness or competitive stuff that you want to watch so yeah and i think cool. it's easier i think it's easier now because it's like because some people are like oh what what else am i what am i gonna do now what there's nothing to i'm like oh well here's an alternative i guess great man well Kofi, it was really it was great to have you come on the show and talk to us about all this stuff, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, so where can people find you on Twitter and Twitch? All right. So you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash chillkofi, C-H-I-L-L-K-O-F-I-E. You can find me on Twitter at Kofi, K-O-F-I-E. You can find my Fumble Dimension videos if you if you go to YouTube and type Fumble Dimension. It'll be it'll be there, uh, and I also have a personal YouTube channel that's just called Kofi K O F I E. So those are the the four main spots where you can you can find me, and I, I might say hi if you if you yeah you say hi. <laughs> yeah, check out his stream. Go play some marble racing with with Kofi on his stream. The thing I love about streaming is that it's like kept me sane during all this. Because for, yeah. like, the last 12 weeks, the only people I've seen in person that I recognize are my parents. And it's, like, <laughs> I – and but streaming has been – has helped me be able to, like, keep in touch with my friends, keep in touch with, like, my follower base as well. And I'm able to have these conversations, be able to talk about things that, like, I'm passionate about as well. And it's just been – it's just been great to have the stream, period. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I've got a good group on mine that show up. Just about every night. And they're nice. They're nice and interesting to talk to. So I get it. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on, Kofi. It was great to talk to you. And everyone, check out Kofi's streams and videos. That's really great stuff. 
And we thank you again, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. See you later. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban. So please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye.